Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. I'm here. Uh, off to a great start. The pre-show was filled with uh, Ryan's tired, so it's a, <laughs> we're, it's, a, it's a ticking time bomb just waiting to snore. Yeah, guys, he's actually drinking coffee again at like 9 p.m., <laughs> so that's the thing that he's doing. I don't know what it means for his sleep patterns, but uh, I'm sure he's in for an interesting night slash morning. Morning caffeine Ryan's going to be really mad. And what? as I said, <laughs> caffeine doesn't really work anymore. I'll go to bed oh. just <laughs> you're just You're just always exhausted it works <laughs> in a for state like, of I could sleep. <laughs> uh, I think coffee just works in the moment. And really, you could replace this with any brown liquid as long as the taste <laughs> remains consistent. Don't get any funny <laughs> ideas, anybody. Gross. Um, I know. <laughs> but no, it's fine. Uh, we'll all survive. And uh, like I said, this is like hour two of Ryan's able to play video games. So it's fine. I, if it takes a coffee, it takes a coffee. Fair enough. Fair enough. So speaking of Ryan playing video games, what have you actually been up to this week? Well, uh, got a little bit of this week and a little bit of a couple weeks ago as, as I, you know, it's funny to think that May is around the corner, but uh, April had a, had a funny enough, a, a lot of releases and we've talked about most of them. Um, but the one I, we haven't talked about was Resident Evil 3, which is a remake. And I don't know if you recall last year when they remade Resident Evil 2 and it was something that a lot of people were talking about and uh, it was well received. So they quickly followed that up with a remake of Resident Evil 3, and um, I was surprised how quickly I finished the game. Basically, it took me about five hours to finish. It's very short. I was going to say, that seems extraordinarily short, like they missed something. But I, that being said, I've never played them, so I don't mm. know how long they were originally, but a five-hour game, like, I mean, that's... People say that's short for a $20 indie title. I can't imagine anyone ever getting away with that before. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think... So it is, first of all, it is a full price game. And um, it is a remake of a, a game that originally came out on, I think, the PlayStation uh, 1 or 2. I, I think it's the one. Yeah, PlayStation 1. And... It's uh so this was a this was one of those and, and funny enough this remake came out a year after this RE2 remake RE3 when it originally came out was released a year and a half after uh, a year and a half maybe a year after the second one as sort of a Majora's Mask take of reusing a lot of assets from Resident Evil 2 and building a uh, story that that runs alongside 2 so if 2 takes place in raccoon city as you're you're playing as uh uh claire and leon um and then in re3 you're playing as jill and it's taking place around the same time frame where as jill valentine you are running around raccoon city you're seeing a lot of the same streets the you're you're briefly visiting the police station which was featured heavily in re2 and uh the biggest difference between re3 and re2 is that re2 had the two characters with different stories so each campaign was about five hours but then you could turn around and play say you started with leon you could then turn around and play as claire and that right. expanded the story by an extra four hours making for probably a more comparable 
packaged to what you would experience today as an $80 game, uh, $80 Canadian. And that's just not the case in RE3 where there is no multi multiple playthroughs for us, for people like me who just want to play the game and experience the content and move on. With RE2, there was a drive to play it through twice as a different character and experience that different side of the story. In this one, there are two characters, but you're playing their, you're playing them in sort of sequence. You're not actually starting up a new playthrough. You're playing majority. Okay, so you like play, you play a level as one character and then another mm -hmm. level as another character, and you don't have the option to do both as both. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you you would start. You started as Jill. You meet Carlos, who's the second character, and th there would be occasionally some scripted moments where Jill is incapacitated and you take over as Carlos. Or that's one scenario. Another scenario is okay. Here's what happened from Carlos's perspective, and it it like here's the thing: the package that you're playing is very polished. It's very well put together. Uh, they're very true to what I feel RE3 was in the sense that they haven't really padded it out. And that was the concern a lot of people had is like, well, Resident Evil 3 is a very short game. Are you just going to make the remake of, of that game? And they very much did. And I think that, that in there lies the conundrum in that it's a great game that's well put together, but it is it is short. And I think a lot of people, you know, when you're looking at value... It's important to understand that, uh, that it is a, a five-hour experience if you know you're only going to play through it once. If you're going to play through it multiple times and, you know, look for all the secrets and try it on hard difficulty with different costumes, then yeah, you're going to get your money's worth right off the bat at full price. But for folks like me, like I bought it when I was on sale, uh, I pre-purchased it uh, in a sale. I think I ended up paying like maybe $62 Canadian, so about 20 bucks off. Um, 30 bucks off if you're paying tax depending on where you're buying it but that's that gets closer <laughs> I thought you just meant like if you're paying tax like or maybe you're a rebel and yeah. you've decided tax does not apply to you <laughs> uh, some some digital stores depending like I, I played on PC so like some digital stores where you're buying them I don't think they charge you tax on Steam it's been a while I don't think they do uh, either way I think it's a great game for those folks who really like the Resident Evil remake of, you know, remake of two. This very much feels like that vein. It's got all the puzzles. It's got the maps. It's got the exploration. It's got the combat. Um, you, you know, them taking the character of Jill Valentine and, and bringing her into, you know, the year 2020. Uh, she's very much modeled off of what feels like the, the uh, Mila Jovovich character from the movies. She's got that same build, same attitude. And I think they've, they really use those movies as a sort of a, uh, a template for her character. And I think it works really well. This one's much more action oriented because you're being chased by Nemesis and those sequences feel more scripted in a sense where they're happening in specific moments. So you're running away from this character while you're dodging zombies. And uh, yeah, it, it, again, it feel it felt really good. It was a really good experience. It was just short. And for someone who's, you know, juggling two toddlers and a newborn, um, even though I did play this, I think I finished it maybe a couple weeks ago uh it, it was very nice to experience it but i couldn't i couldn't help but feel that sort of like that pain of oh if if i were concerned about length of this game like yeah if it, that's definitely a 
a sore spot with this one. Um, but again, it plays great. It looks great. It's definitely Resident Evil. Uh, I'm glad they chose to remake it because I think I think the the way they're remaking these games deserves to be rewarded. Like they're doing a very very good job. Um, and it's kind of weird that like three remakes came out in April, <laughs> you know, with the uh, Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, it feels like that's all we've really been talking about is is old games we used to play that now have new versions out. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, with the rumors of everything going on with Mario, I think we're going to even get more mm-hmm. of that. And and I mean, I think there was a time when I looked at remakes and was like, uh, you know, I don't know about this, but... But I think that was a, if, if I ever did feel that way, it was a very short amount of time. I love replaying games. I just love to have an excuse to do it. And a good excuse to do it is when they've added or changed or, or updated something. I'm not one to kind of go back to a game I've already played and play through it again. But if you put it on... Like, I used to be. I definitely used to be. And I mean, you mentioned the Mario thing and I the number of times I played through like Mario 64 or like obviously... Majora's Mask and, and Ocarina of Time like I've played those games all the way through so many times that mm-hmm. I would definitely play remakes of those 100% <laughs> yeah like I'll dabble don't get me wrong like when they added the Nintendo Entertainment System and the Super Nintendo Entertainment System apps to the Nintendo Switch I, and same with the the mini classics I booted up every Mario and every Zelda game on them did i finish it again no like i've never even gotten well and that's kind of the thing and that's what i'm i'm kind of uh, getting at is that like with the remakes being different than remasters like i would i would play through something that maybe had a a more modern like combat system or like slight chin kind of like what they did with final fantasy where you know it pays homage to the original but they've brought it into what they're currently doing with the franchise like that's the kind of thing that i would expect out of a remake out of like 64 or ocarina of time or whatever if they were going to bring it to the switch like now Hmm. um because obviously they've done like the remasters and stuff like that for like 3ds or whatever like re-releases things like that and virtual console everything else like I feel like they've covered that ground. What I would play all the way through would be something inspired by using the same like level design and stuff. If we're talking about like Mario, but then that was like updated to like what they're currently doing in Mario or what they're currently doing in Zelda with some of those like mechanics and stuff like that would be, I think that's where I would play a game through again, but you're right. Like, I'm at the point now, or I guess the world of gaming is at the point now where it's like, okay, yes, I have played Ocarina of Time. I don't need to play it again because there's 8,000 other things in the queue of games for me. Mm. Yeah, like I, I was thinking. <laughs> and I about say that it. as someone who actually like doesn't have anything legit new to talk about this week because everything <laughs> I'm playing is just like more of the same. But at the same time, I just I feel like there's so much out there right now that replaying something that i played in the you know 90s or 2000s is not gonna happen (laughs) like they need to they need to remake and so i'm glad that they've remade resident evil 3 and that you know they've brought it up to you know 2020 as opposed to you know just giving it some new textures yeah and this is the thing like i don't think you could just uh and and you can buy the original resident evil 3 if you really want to i think it's a ps1 classic that you can pick up uh uh, you can pick it up on, on your PS4. I think they they have them for sale in, in the store. But um, those are such a, like, yeah, this might upset folks, but I, I mean, early 3D, 
the PlayStation games don't hold up. The I think there's a reason Nintendo's holding off on like a you know outside of complexity from the controller, but there's a reason Nintendo's holding off from an N64 classic uh, or even an N64 app on the Switch because there's only like maybe 10 games on the N64 that 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 would hold up and they're you know they're Mario, Zeldas and I don't know uh maybe Smash <laughs> like there's not a whole lot, right? Um, and it's just that early 3D sucks. So when you look at Resident Evil 3, what it <laughs> used to look like, uh, it, at the time it was groundbreaking, but now like we've got so much more at our disposal. So when you take Resident Evil 3 and you remake it in, in an engine like the current RE engine, it's a huge jump. And I think that's where, you know, you kind of look at the value of this and you think like, okay, like it's a solid remake. I love the Resident Evil games, especially the modern take the the voice acting and uh you know the the animations are all superb like it's a great game and uh for that reason it's worth checking out if you really like the resident evil games it's just probably best to wait for a sale now there's something i hadn't mentioned and that's the fact that when you buy resident evil 3 it's bundled with um uh, resident evil resistance which is the new multiplayer game they've added to the franchise and I don't know whether you can consider it a value added or it's free or just a bonus, but, and I, I mean, I didn't play a whole lot of it. I played the tutorial, but it's very much a take on Left for Dead combined with Dead by Daylight. And um, yeah, but this is the thing. It's tied to an $80 purchase, right? So yeah, how, how do you, A, how do you, how do you convince people like yourself who, who love Dead by Daylight to check this out? You're not going to pay 80 bucks for it because you could pay $20 for Dead by Daylight. I was going to say, I didn't pay 80 bucks for Dead by Well, I guess I have now paid $80 for Dead by Daylight, but that's by choice. Yeah, (laughs) that's by choice because I'm trying to support a game that I like that is a game as a service. So they don't charge me a subscription to play. So I support it in other ways. So I've definitely paid more than $80 for Dead by Daylight. We're not up to like early Joss plays Smite levels, but... (laughs) Smite, man. I remember that. So does my bank account. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know, eh? Uh, <sighs> yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, maybe almost, some would say, eight years ago. But I think that, uh, yeah, yeah, so the bundled-in game that comes with it is this multiplayer game. And and that's the struggle is, like, the only people I know I can play this that game with are people who have purchased the game for Resident Evil 3, not Resistance. And I think that's where they may have, they may have tried to, you know... Uh, uh, increase the value of resident evil 3 and put in this multiplayer mode and it's not even a mode it's a separate game like you when you activate resident evil 3 I was you, say, you can, have a separate game can i can i buy it no not that i not that i know of i haven't seen it separately in the store it, it is a bundled purchase and i think that and it's not even a bundled purchase it's you buy resident evil 3 and you get a separate executable for resident evil resistance and hmm that's that's where i struggle is like because i know if it were a 30 dollar experience i I could say to you like hey let's check this out because it's very much it's very much like dead by daylight you are playing you know classic or the resident evil remake in this multiplayer where there's four people and you're trying to solve these puzzles while uh the the killer quote unquote is sending monsters and and setting traps as you're trying to move through. So that's where I say it's a combination of Left 4 Dead and Dead by Daylight. It, as in Left 4 Dead, it's a linear path as you're trying to get from point A to point B while not being killed by the monsters. 
in that case, the zombies. So then the... But there's like an actual person actively trying to disrupt you. Yeah. So so it is still asymmetrical where there's like a, there's two teams, right? Yeah, it is asymmetrical. So the mastermind, which is the person, the the one before, uh, he's setting up traps. He's he's sending monsters toward you. I don't think he's controlling monsters. There may be a maybe a a monster he can control, but it's like a the ultimate move or something. Yeah. But I I didn't I haven't played a match of it. I just know that like it's not it's not feasible in the sense that I'm not going to I'm not going to have people to play it with outside of random internet strangers and and Lou as well like my co-host on Zombies in my podcast I'll be able to play with him but again like he has no interest in that you know I I've said to him like oh we could check out resistance he's like eh, yeah we could or we couldn't and, <laughs> and I'm like I mean yeah that's he, those I'm putting, are the options <laughs> I, I those are the options I'm putting words in his mouth I don't think we we talked about it once and it was like I don't know. It seems like you just could a tell way of, he had no interest. <laughs> well, it's just one of those things where it's 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 odd. You're kind of you're trying to prop up Resident Evil Three and say yes, it's an eighty dollars experience. When it really, it I think these days, it's it's getting easier and easier to look at a game and be like, probably shouldn't have priced that full price. It's just the value isn't isn't there, and you're you're up against other games like. Uh, um, well, like Final Fantasy remake, you're up against you're up against Resident Evil Two remake, which, again, very similar. But there was that replayability with the multiple stories, and I'm not saying they had to go back and design a whole way, a whole new way to play Resident Evil Three. I'm just saying, you know, chop twenty bucks off of it, right? Like make it a yeah. make it a value uh, a value purchase as opposed to like, you know, making it eighty dollars because that's what you can charge. So. This is one of those experiences where I say, like, if you're interested in Resident Evil 3, wait the month and congratulations, you've already done that because it's been out for almost a month now uh, <laughs> and and, you go, and pick it up and it'll probably be on sale. You'll probably get it for that that right that sweet spot. So um, but I, I still recommend it because I had a lot of fun with it. But that's the core issue is that you can very much tell like mm, it probably shouldn't have been full price. And I thought maybe I was crazy like maybe maybe it's not full price but it very much is like it it's it's one of those wild ones that it's kind of stands out it's it's very odd fair enough well i mean (laughs) you said in the notes it literally says like quick thoughts on resident evil 3 and everything else will be on zamp but i mean what what else is there to say (laughs) it seemed pretty in-depth but uh, you guys should go and check out zombies ate my podcast if you want more info and uh, some back and forth with someone else who's actually played Resident Evil 3. Again, mm-hmm. go check that out. Zombies Ate My Podcast. Um, and then you also like kind of dipped your toe into into more XCOM? Yeah, so this is interesting because we just spent 20 minutes talking about value propositions and, and how much how much <laughs> a game should cost. And then you look at XCOM uh, Chimera Squad, which came out on Friday, which is a surprise announcement. It's a standalone XCOM experience, and they launched it from from the standpoint of like, this is going to be a thirty dollar game, but we're going to price it at fifty percent off for the first week. So, still right now until May first, you can pick this game up for fifteen dollars Canadian, ten dollars American. It is a standalone XCOM experience. It's uh, it's very different. Not sorry, it's different enough that it's going to cause some some shock when you jump into this it's different enough from the uh, from the other XCOM games you've been playing recently and uh but it's but it sets up um it's the sequel quote unquote like the follow-up story to the good ending of XCOM 2 
So XCOM 2 took place so many years after XCOM 1 uh, from the bad ending perspective. So they chose a canon ending, they chose the bad ending, and then with this case, they chose the good ending of XCOM 2, and, and they've they've spun a tale around that. The The biggest difference, though, here is that you are a branch of XCOM, but you are a Chimera Squad in the sense that you are a team made up of humans and hybrids and aliens as you're going around trying to figure out a... Um, uh, conspiracy in the biggest shared city in the world of again uh, humans and hybrids and aliens after after basically the elders the bad guys have been been you know chased off the planet and now right. we're all living in harmony so you think so yeah, air quotes uh, harmony yeah yep. exactly <laughs> sounds about right <laughs> yeah it's uh so from that perspective uh you are the you are the sort of um i don't know like the special ops you're the, the, the SWAT guys, so you're called in, there's this investigation going on, and, and you're there to kind of provide assistance to the city to, to sort things out, and because it's a very cop vibe, um, they've removed, first of all, they've removed the ability to create your own soldiers, that was one of the big things in the other XCOM games, is that you cr- create soldiers and name them, and when they, when they died, it was a big deal, because, oh no, you know, Sergeant Murphy went down, and now he's like forever in in memoriam right uh but then you've got uh in this one it's all characters it's all story-based characters that where they have you know names they're they're specific classes uh they're even specific types of classes so i've i've recruited like two characters one both of them being of the specialist version but they have different types of specialists one's like a healing specialist with the gremlin which is this little drone that flies around and does stuff and then the other specialist is uh, is of the attack variety. So he'll the gremlin will float around and zap people and stuff like that. Um, but uh, so that's one big change. The other big change is that they they've they've done away with um, the turn based combat in a sense, in that it doesn't go the good guys move, the bad guys move. It's now an initiative system where everybody ha- like D and D, everyone has like a set order of going. So it can be, it's almost, it's, it's a more so like a, like a chess game where you're like strategically moving your characters one at a time, as opposed to, uh, and then you're taking turns with the enemy. And sometimes you, you can have more of your guys going before their guys, but it it's all displayed for you on the right hand of the screen where you can see like, okay, I, I can move these two people and then this, this enemy is going to move. And then I, and then I have another turn to sort of you know, make, do some damage. So there's some strategery there where you're kind of, you know, going in and saying, okay, this guy moves next. So I'm going to take him out. So then I have more, you know, more of my guys moving around in terms of the initiative order. So that's a big change in terms of like having to change the way you think about XCOM and in that in the other XCOM games, you're moving all your characters and setting up that turn in order to survive the next turn, which could have like three to 10 aliens coming you know and trying to trying to take you out where in this case you're you know which enemies are attacking you and from where at every given time um you even know when reinforcements are coming in um the other big change is that they've uh they've basically stopped the setup so there's no setup there's now breach mode so similar to what you see in like cops they like you choose an entrance to the building you kind of have an idea of who's in there 
Uh, depending on when you're going into the or where you're going into the building, you'll be given like status effects. Like the first person to enter the room has additional damage. The last person to enter the room, uh, there's a negative effect. Maybe like oh, they'll be marked um, for so they'll basically be they'll have gained aggro uh, after the breach. So they'll be sort of more susceptible to damage. So there's a lot of that strategy to to deal with and it's uh it's interesting it really makes for much quicker engagements so i remember playing xcom 2 and there was a there was a lot of setup and sort of strategy and then you would deal with the consequences you would have characters die you'd have characters be gravely wounded and you'd have to have a pretty good you know contingent of, of soldiers to sort of uh, bring into the next battles but in this one it feels like things move very quickly so with XCOM Chimera Squad, I feel like they've uh, really been experimenting uh, a lot with the XCOM formula in the sense that from XCOM 1 to XCOM 2, they just kind of layered onto it, but you were you got what you expected from an XCOM game. You have the strategy layer, you have the combat, you have the upgrades, the yada, yada, yada. But with this right, one... Right, it's a very familiar like gameplay experience. Yeah, and this one still has that you know, familiar feel in terms of the combat. You're moving your characters, it's tactics, it's grid-based, It's uh, there's Overwatch, there's grenades, there's combat, it's all there. There's even a strategy layer that is... But it's all... It's very experimental, and I think that's, that's where I'm interested in, in your take on it, is that you've got this sequel. It's still... It is a sequel. It's it's very much continuing the story of, of XCOM, and it's very different in an experimental way, but it's also this value package of like a $15 game at least for the next couple days but then really after that it's still 30 bucks and it feels like a really really big package too like it, it feels like it's it's a mm. true XCOM yeah I know it's a true XCOM experience <laughs> I mean obviously like we we can't we can't go an episode without invoking Cloud's giant obviously. sword so uh, <laughs> But yeah, like I so I kind of get where you're coming from is that like it's I'm of two minds in this kind of question here, because on the one hand, I think it's really important for game developers to constantly be kind of like pushing the envelope and not just making the same game over and over and over and over. And I think with um, strategy games, maybe more so than some of the other genres, there's you know, you have the, the chance to kind of fall into a lot of sameness potentially um, and I say this as someone who's like a huge fan of like, say, the Civ franchise, for example, where like there is no story. It's just a strategy game and it's literally the same every single time. But the reason why people buy, you know, Civ 5, Civ 6, and I'm sure Civ 7 when it comes is because they add more layers, more interesting ways to play the game and yet the other ones still exist and still stand up if that's what you prefer. So I think that on like in that way, this is a good idea for them to kind of push the envelope and to, to do things a little bit differently to the way that like anyone who's a fan of XCOM and XCOM 2 will probably still enjoy this because there are pieces that are the same, but they're adding more to it to kind of give a new experience so that it's still worth picking up if you're not a big story person. Now, the kind of problem or like the flip side that I see here is that if you've got, you know, XCOM and XCOM 2 that are giving you this really interesting story that you're super invested in, and all of a sudden you jump into uh, Chimera Squad and you're just like, oh man, like 
this is a jarring combat experience or I don't enjoy it for whatever reason. It's just not my jam. Then all of a sudden you have to you have these like canon story beats that are happening in a game that is potentially alienating your audience. So I think mm -hmm. there's, you know, it's a risk reward sort of a situation. I think as a gamer, I want my companies in general to be taking risks and to be trying new things because you never know what they're going to hit on. And obviously they love XCOM, they make it. So they're going to want the best XCOM experience that they can possibly produce. And so like, I mean, they're, they're going to make a good game. It's just, you can't always make everybody happy. And if you've made people happy and they like what you're currently putting out, it can be really hard to experiment. So mm -hmm. when yeah. you're looking at a game that actually does have some story beats, like how do you tell that? Like if they decide to make XCOM three, like another full big release game, then how do they like, do they continue on with what they've done in Chimera Squad? Do they go back to how it was in, you know, XCOM and XCOM 2 for the, the next major release? If they do that and they bring the people back from XCOM 2 that didn't necessarily play Chimera Squad because it wasn't their type of mechanics that they enjoyed, then, you know, how do you bridge that story gap? Do you give them like a, a prequel type mission that tells the story of Chimera Squad? Uh, it, is Chimera Squad's story not important enough to the direction they're taking the franchise? Like, do you experiment with new mechanics in a way, like with a story that doesn't really matter in the grander scheme of things? Like mm. that would probably be what I would think would be the safest bet is just make like a throwaway story that's like supplemental or like we were just talking about with Resident Evil that like shows another side of events, but the core events are the same. And just to like see if this works and then if it works hey you haven't screwed with your canon but if it doesn't then you know like or if it does work then you know everyone can go play it and love it and it's great and it's fine um so yeah i don't know i it definitely presents interesting um it's an interesting place for the company to be um and and i don't really know what the what the right answer is but i i like my companies to kind of be pushing the envelope and and trying to give me new but familiar experiences yeah this is definitely new but familiar in, in that sense and I, and I think because when you kind of look at it like breach mode is a new and interesting way of of starting off the combat and and you're always always be uh, <laughs> always be breaching because it's like multiple and <laughs> i know i was always saying in my head i'm like do i really want to it's like yes we're going there <laughs> uh <laughs> that was the stumble and i think uh there, there are multiple encounters, so when you load into a map, if it's a story map, sometimes there are, like, three encounters, and you're always breaching into the encounters. Like, I would think by the second encounter, they would have known, like, I blew through the wall. I'm sure they heard me, but no, it just keeps on going. So it's very, it's very, like, Hollywood-esque, like, in that front where you're always <laughs> kicking down doors and jumping in and, and getting the jump on these enemies, even though they probably should be, should be aware. Aware, yeah. At, at that point. <laughs> but... I think because they are multiple encounters to a map and they're smaller environments, that's where the initiative um, system comes in handy from a from a design perspective. Because if you were to just do all your dudes go, all their dudes go, you'd be able to wipe them out, uh, and then you just you just steamroll the whole thing. So that's the that's another difference in that they probably made that because they wanted to do smaller encounters, and they realized oh, if we kept the you know the the true classic turn based mode it would be too easy and uh then they wanted to do smaller encounters like where in xcom 2 like it was very much this is a large map you're having to move 
strategically and cautiously across the map, you know, while aliens are sort of popping up here and there. In this, you know, everyone's on the map. You know when when reinforcements are coming in. You don't know where they're coming in, but there are like select areas. But I think that's where this is a different experience. Like even from a story perspective, the other two were about you defending, you know, Earth or liberating Earth from these aliens. In this one, you are just you were a, a an elite squad of uh, of sort of SWAT team that are that are supporting the city by trying to keep people safe. Like it very much feels like a like a I don't know. I don't watch a lot of procedurals, but like a, maybe like a cop show that you would watch on, you know, at eight o'clock right. on so CTV. It's, like right. Like the the scope of the story is much smaller. It's it's very like my local cops versus yeah. like the entirety of the world coming together and putting together like space force to, exactly. to defeat the aliens. This yeah. Is okay. Not I see. Space force. It's kind of, but it's also <laughs> not like local. <laughs> it's like not local PD. It's kind of like. I guess it would be like special ops. Like they bring in these special ops to come in and be like, okay, we need, we need extra help because, uh, we're dealing with, you know, um, you know, anarchists, we're dealing with, uh, you know, uh, resistance people who, who still believe the, the aliens were right and they're going to fight to, to bring the elders back. And, and I really do feel this is them getting some experimentation, you know, uh, off their chest and kind of, and playing with that, but also setting up, you know, a canon ending for XCOM 3. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, maybe the endings to XCOM 2 didn't lead to a, a logical third game. Whereas now, maybe with Chimera Squad, I haven't finished it, but with Chimera Squad, maybe where it leads is like, oh, we can kind of see where this could lead to a true XCOM 3 where you are defending Earth. And there's even hints of it at the beginning where it's like, oh, you know, these people want the elders to come back. We're constantly building and, and, and keeping XCOM front and center of, of people's minds and resourced so that if they do come back, we'll be ready. So I could imagine that, you know, going back to your point of like people could be alienated and, and feeling they have to play this game to understand XCOM 3. It, it could all just be sort of a an intro paragraph of like, you know, we continue to build XCOM, we continue to support, you know, all of us living together in harmony, but knowing we were going to have to defend the elders coming back because we did piss them off, right? Like, yeah, they were winning and we sent them away with their tails between their their legs and uh, they weren't too happy about that. Right. So, you know, it's it's a great, you know, third story to tell is them coming back extra pissed and and us being kind of on level field because we've we've spent so much time uh developing so i i'm really i am really enjoying it i i know the differences are gonna upset some folks but the funny part is is that we actually got another tax tactics game today in uh, gears tactics so if you want to you know experience that classic sort of turn-based you know tactics game because they it, it sounds from their views that it's very much you know, uh, XCOM, but with gears characters, yeah, there's a, you can, you can get that, that feel too, but, but the value and just the XCOM ness of this game is just, is too hard to pass up. And I love the strategy layer and, you know, the, you know, the micromanaging of characters and items and resources, it's all there. And it's just crazy that it's 15 bucks because it's, it's definitely, it's definitely worth, you know, every penny if you're a, a fan of XCOM and it takes a little bit to get used to the new the new mechanics, but it's certainly worth worth checking out for sure. 
Fair enough. Well, I'm not going to talk too much about what I played this week just because most of what I play, well, all of what I played is stuff that we've talked about before. But um, one thing that sucked me way back in and I was thinking about it and I think it's because of the conversation I had with Bo a couple of weeks ago because he was talking about Doom and how playing Doom over and over and over again, like he felt like he was really getting better at the game and learning through each playthrough or each failure or whatever. And then, you know, on top of that, we also talked about Civ, which I, again, I've mentioned again today. Um, I got so sucked back into Frostpunk, like really, really hard. What I ended up doing was just upping the difficulty by one level. And it's like an entirely different game. And I came so close because I think the the first scenario um, or like the main scenario in New Home plays out over approximately 50 days. And there was like three or four playthroughs in a row where I got to like halfway through the big storm at the end and then died. <sighs> I was so determined to beat that, Ryan. Like, oh, my God, I was up until like 6 a.m. Like I'm playing till my hands hurt like. Dude, that game sucked me right back in again. <laughs> Frostpunk is is amazing. It's, it's such a great so game. Good. Oh it's so good. Oh my god, it's so good. I think, uh, and I think there's more DLC coming for it because I think the season pass there was like a, an initial hit, and then there was the big expansion. I think there's one more big expansion coming for Frostpunk, so we should have new content. Yeah. But like that's you know, speaking of sequels the second they announce a Frostpunk 2, because I really hope they're making a second one at, in no rush, for sure, like when you're ready. But a sequel to Frostpunk? Oh, man, would that not be crazy amazing? I, I hope they do, because I really liked it, but it, it seems like maybe Honestly, it could like, be a one and done. Yeah, it feels like the um, like the engine that it's built on like still feels fine. Like I don't feel like it's dated at all, because it's been out for a couple of years now. Um, I don't feel like it's dated. I don't feel like it's slow at all. Like they they could maybe do some upgrades, but I almost feel like the the way that it currently works and the level of detail that you play at is actually kind of fine because it adds a little bit of that like rougher aesthetic to it, kind of. Um, like I wouldn't want them to see like let me zoom all the way down into my citizens or anything like that. Like or I, I don't even know what else that you would maybe do. Um, there were a couple of of like um, menu type controls, like when you have to like send your scouts out that I didn't love uh, again after playing like hour after hour after hour after hour. I was just like, OK, th this is tedious and there I wish there was an easier way to just tell my scouts where to go. But uh, but overall, man, that game, it's just it's so, so good. And I felt like I definitely got the experience that Bo got where I was, you know, playing through and I was failing over and over and over again. But it's like every time I failed, I got like a couple of days further with the exception of like playthrough number. I don't even know, probably like 12 or 13 when I like died. They banished me on the second day. I was like, what? How did this even happen? It's like, clearly I just made one major misstep that I didn't realize. But yeah, um, Overall, man, that game is just it's so, so, so good. And I was looking for something to kind of take me away from all of these like games as a service that I've been oh, playing. I thought you were going to say our because... current predicament of the pandemic and, and moving no, into, no. Uh... <laughs> no, I meant like I wanted to move away from like Hearthstone and Dead by Daylight. And I'm like, I literally it was probably like 1130 at night 
And I was like, well, I could log in and play some solo DVD. I could, you know, like go do some transmog runs on my WoW character. I could grind some Hearthstone, but it's like everything just kind of felt like blah. And I was like, well, I don't want to go to bed yet. I'm not tired. I'm like, maybe I should just look at my Steam library and see what's in here. And then I was like, oh, Frostpunk, man, I haven't played that in a while before I know it's like literally the Civ problem where like there's no actual real life clock in that game. So I was just sitting there not realizing it was literally 6 a.m. until like I noticed the room was getting brighter. And then I was like, oh, oh, it's the sun. <laughs> the sun has happened. I need to go. <laughs> hey, you, you did it. So, Extra life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then like literally I, I went up, I, I slept for a few hours and I came back downstairs and like all day Saturday, that was all that I did. It was insane. <laughs> <laughs> and like Matt would come downstairs and I was like, no, Matt, I can't like, no, I don't want to do anything else. I can't like these people are depending on me. They're going to freeze to death. He's like, you know, they're not really real people, right? I was like, well, I know that. But at the same time, I need to save the human race. It's true. <laughs> he was like, okay. Who else but is yeah, going to do it? Really? Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I got so into it. So, so far into it. And it was crazy how just the the one difficulty level made it feel like a whole different game um and like because i mean i think i played it through the first time on like the easiest level because it's a it's a really hard really challenging game so this time i played it through on like the medium level um because i think there's like there's like easy air quotes and then there's like normal and then there's hard and then there's like ultra hard and so I was like the second of four levels and it's still like, oh man, it was so challenging. So yeah, again, if you haven't picked up Frostpunk by this point, go go and check it out because man, it's such a good game. Yeah, and the don't. other thing that I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say uh, for Frostpunk, it's it's a fantastic experience. I think it's on Game Pass. Uh, the base game is on Game Pass and there's one more expansion coming out. And the sad part about that is, is that in my quick searches, the company is moving on to a, to a new project. Uh, they're not, it's not Frostpunk 2. It's, it's completely different. They said it's going to be happy. So what? Uh, no, that kind of depresses but they me. do, they do, yeah, they do depressing <laughs> so well. I don't know why they would ever want to make something happy, but I don't know, man. It's so good though. And the, the great thing is, like I said, it feels like it runs fine in the current engine. Like I don't feel like there's any shortcomings in terms of performance or anything else. Like it's still, the game is great. Like it doesn't really need a Frostpunk 2. And they also, they've added, we talked about this a while ago, but they added like endless mode. So there is always going to be that option if you do just want more Frostpunk is you can go and play things on higher difficulties or or play the endless mode. Um, there's still quite a lot of content there to be had. So again, go go check out Frostpunk. And uh, the other thing that I played, I mean, speaking of Game Pass, this is another thing that's on Game Pass, the Sea of Thieves. And they just had, the reason we played it, they just had a ginormous update. It was like a 12 gig update. Um, and it basically like remade how all of the reps in the world work. So you can now become an emissary for one of the three factions or for basically like a, a new um, PVP faction. And you, as you go around the world and do things for that faction, like do quests for them or whatever, or find objects that you can sell to them. So say you're on an order of souls or you're an order of souls uh, emissary, 
when you kill a skeleton that drops a skull, then that will increase your level. You can get your level up to five. And then when you sell stuff, the higher your level, it's like a multiplier on how much um, like gold and reputation you're going to get for selling your items. So like it's so fast to level now, like it's completely changed, like the main grind of the game. So again, like if, it, if it's been a long time since you've been in Sea of Thieves or if it's something that like you tried once and didn't really like, like they've changed so, so much now that it's definitely worth uh, worth checking out. And I mean, like I went from my gold hoarders, like the first night that we played, I went from, I think I was 42 and I ended the night at like 48. Like it, and so like many many levels in a three-hour session and like not even just like love it felt like it was back at the beginning right like when you went from level one to two and it went by so quickly hmm. <laughs> it's like it feels like that again but with the levels that are you know up near where it um you, where you have to hit for pirate legend and they didn't actually um like remove pirate legend or change like the the bar for where you become pirate legend but they added another 20 levels and a whole bunch of rewards for all the factions, like on top of the, the old 50 cap. So it almost is like it got an expansion. <laughs> hmm. So is this, uh, yeah. is, was this their like spring update or anniversary update? Cause the game originally came out around this time last year, right? Uh, not last year, the year before. Oh yeah. Two years, two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it, wow. Uh, and yeah, so like, I mean, it is, it is kind of like the anniversary update. It's free to everybody. Like I, I called it an expansion, but it's the, all the Sea of Thieves stuff. All their updates are always free. So. Hmm. No, I, I think it's great. I, I, I really love the way that game has continued to, to evolve and, and get updates. It has cats now. I wow oh really okay <laughs> yep and the cats have little eye patches and little hats and little vests <laughs> are there dogs in that game like I feel like not yet no no statement. not yet we have we have monkeys we have parrots and we have cats but there are not yet any dogs I don't know why you would even start that war like if if I were them I would have put cats and dogs in at the same time because I feel like if you go with cats first, you're you're putting you're putting a foot forward that yeah you're making a statement. That's like uh, you're upsetting fifty percent of your player base, really. <laughs> I mean, monkeys, parrots, like that's that's fine. That goes to the parrot that that goes to the pirate motif, but cats and dogs, I think it's that's a tough uh, tough one to choose. I don't know. I don't know. I, I bet dogs will be coming in a future update. But yeah, so uh, yeah. so I've been having a lot of fun in, in both Sea of Thieves and Frostpunk. And I did see, thank you guys so much in the Discord for uh, making some suggestions. I'm going to move on um, in the next couple of weeks and, and try some of my old unplayed uh, titles. I think I probably will play The Last of Us. And uh, we will we'll talk about that in a second. But first, we need to thank Matthew, our April patron. He went to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show. Uh, and that brings us to our news section today. And I'm going to jump around a little, Ryan. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I am thinking that I'm going to go play Last of Us because we have a solidified date for Last of Us Part 2 now. So that's coming June 19th. So that means I have about six weeks to play last of us before part two comes out because it, it seems like that's going to be a central gamers in topic. So I should probably get on board. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Last of us part two is one of those games that I am cautious. They're not cautiously about to mistake. I'm just, I'm really excited to play it, but I'm also at the point where I'm like, it can come out when it's ready. And the fact that they delayed it, 
Um, I do want to state, though, for anyone who's remotely interested in The Last of Us Part II, uh, the the developer, someone on the development team leaked an early version or an uncompleted version of it, and there are spoilers out there. Um, and from what what comments are sur- surfacing, it's it, they could be major. I don't know what they are. I don't want to know. I want to experience this game the way it was meant to be experienced. Um, Which is really funny because I'm 99% sure that I saw like a screenshot and I saw like some stuff, but like I can't even tell you what the stuff was because I was just like, I since I haven't played the first game, I had no context for it at all. So I'm just like, that I don't know who that is. I don't know sure. what's going on. Like, I don't even remember names that were mentioned. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure the internet just spoiled Last of Us 2 right in my face and I didn't even realize. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I don't know... I think the best advice I can give folks that's that's helped for me is just definitely don't click on any uh, don't don't view details of any tweets for for The Last of Us uh, Part Two from the official channels because people might be commenting in there. Don't go to the comment sections of Reddit or uh, or or the PlayStation blog, especially if you click through um, on the link for in our show notes uh, about The Last of Us Two. Um, uh, release date. I'm sure there are moderators going in and scrubbing that stuff because again, the video footage that was leaked has been taken down, but it's just the spoilers are out there. It's not the entire game from my understanding, but there are some significant spoilers. It's and yeah. It's enough. It's enough to ruin an experience that we've been waiting, you know, a, a generation for, uh, of consoles to, to play this one. And, um, it's funny you mentioned June 19th being like, just over six weeks away that that to me is is crazy we would have originally got it in in less than a month but you know to wait a couple extra weeks that's that's nothing so uh we're nearly there i'm excited to play it um i don't know when i'll have time to finish it but i'll definitely have time to play it so i'm looking (laughs) forward to it uh and the other part of this playstation announcement was also a release date for ghost of tsushima which is not sashimi that i keep calling it but uh this is the one i don't know if i'm actually going to pick it up or not i feel like i well first of all i always get this confused with sekiro so this is like um it's another samurai warrior action game Mm -hmm. and i'm i think i'm a little bit more excited about this one just because it seems to not be tied to a dark souls kind of don't get hit combat style so I might check this out. I think it's going to kind of depend on a lot of different factors. Like, I feel like July is just this great unknown right now. You know, like, yep. I can't commit to playing a game halfway through July right now because I'm just like, I don't if I'm still in quarantine, 100% give me all the gaming that you can handle. Like, I need everything. But if if we're not, then it might be the flip side where I'm just like, no, I can't be inside. I can never be inside again. <laughs> and I just <laughs> well, don't want to play anything. So, yeah, July is this, like, big black hole of unknown right now. So <laughs> it, it looks like a great game to play if you're stuck inside because it looks beautiful. It uh, does. It looks really pretty. And that's that's the takeaway that I remember from like E3 when we saw these announced. Like, I remember that it looked really pretty and I was kind of like, oh, OK. And then I thought it was coming out with Sekiro. And then there's like, no, there's this other one that's coming out later. And I was like, oh, there were two. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I think I didn't get excited about Samurai game because I thought, first of all, there was one of them. And second of all, that it was Dark Souls-esque. And I was just like, nope, I'm going to just do a big nope out of that one. Um, but because this one seems to to not be quite as um, quite as punishing, at least in, in that way, I think um, 
it might be more up my alley. Yeah. I'm I really love Sucker Punch, the developers behind this. They make great open world games. Uh Infamous Second Son would have been their most recent, which was a, a launch window game for the PS4. And I, I I love all their infamous games really. So it um the I'm not a big, you know, samurai movie fan and the sort of where I I just I haven't really watched a lot of them. I'm sure they're great. But um, you're right. July 17th. July is usually a barren wasteland. Sometimes there's Mm -hmm. a couple of like there's a Nintendo experience that comes out in July. Uh, But we don't even have we don't have Nintendo dates. Uh, We don't actually have any Nintendo dates for 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 coming up. Um, I think even Microsoft has nothing either. You know, uh, their last release was Gears Tactics and there's really nothing on the horizon. Now, mind you, we're looking at... um, e3 or what would have been e3 window coming up so may could see mm-hmm. some announcements but uh we'll have to see man you you just like teed up two different stories with what yeah. you just said okay first of all with, with nintendo <laughs> let's talk about nintendo because um i have to actually remember to go back in and and fix my account but um oh. basically what well no i wasn't one of the so oh, okay. The, okay sorry the story <laughs> is that 160,000 accounts yeah i know i'm sorry <laughs> 160,000 accounts were accessed during a privacy breach. So if you had a Nintendo account, there were, you know, there's a chance that that your information was compromised. And uh, so this actually happened to someone I follow on Twitter. And uh, so as soon as I saw it happen to him, I just went in and disconnected all my accounts. So um, like I, because I had my Visa, I had my PayPal, like all of that tied to my Nintendo account because I'm lazy. And when I want to buy my games, I just want to push a button. So I went and disconnected all that stuff and deleted all that information. And yeah, because basically what was happening was people were like getting into accounts, like buying a whole bunch of stuff and yeah, locking the actual owners out. Yeah. So it's, it's a, so it sounds like um, it was directly tied to the Nintendo network ID, which was something you would have set up for the Wii U and 3DS era. So yeah. Um, uh, Which I did do uh, because yeah. I had the 3DS, right? So I didn't have, or we eventually, when when Matt and I originally moved in together, he had a Wii U. But even then, I I don't think I, I don't think I played it much. I don't think I tied my Nintendo account to it in any way, shape, or form. But I did have the 3DS, so mm-hmm. yeah, that was definitely something that that was already tied to my my current Nintendo account. Yeah, and it's and it's not a breach of Nintendo's like Nintendo's saying like it doesn't look like they've breached any of our databases, servers, or services. However, they've used passwords or credentials from another leak to sort of access these accounts. And um, basically, what they're saying is activate uh, two-factor authentication. That will assist greatly in in sort of combating this type of attack. Uh, but it's just it's kind of wild to see such a large number because obviously this happens all the time with many different services and i think that's where uh i think nintendo is giving a is getting a bit of reprieve on this because it's technically i mean i don't know it's hard to say but it sounds like it's not really it sounds like it wasn't yeah it wasn't a a direct breach of theirs it's like if anything it's telling you that 160,000 people don't have secure enough passwords or use the same password in 8,000 different places which my husband always gives me so much crap because I know none of my passwords. I use anywhere from like 12 to 20 randomly generated letters, numbers, symbols, everything that you can put in a password. And I use a password um, like security 
service. And I literally just say like, generate me a password every time I sign up for anything. So like if somebody ever needs like my Netflix account, like we set his, um, we set um, his mom and stepdad up on our Netflix account. And I was sitting there for like five minutes entering <laughs> this password. And he's like, why do you do this? Well, guess what? This is why I do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, there's a lot of passwords out there. And I think, um, you know, using a service like one password or, or last passes yeah. is very Which last pass is, is the one that I use. And like, honestly, I just like literally gun to my head. I couldn't tell you any of my passwords. I could not access my email. I could not access like uh, my bank account information, like nothing. You could literally have a gun to my head and be like, mm, you, you know, your, <laughs> your guess is as good though. as mine. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, everyone. But now everybody knows that, Ryan. I know. And they know you use, you use LastPass. You should have thrown them off yeah. and said, like, I use one password. <laughs> well, no, but like what I do want to say is like yeah. ringing endorsement for LastPass. I really do like their service and it protects me in general from stuff like this where I don't have the same password in all these different places. Like it's, it's not something that, or I'm, I feel more secure than mm -hmm. if I was trying to think of new passwords. Yeah. They, they also have a free version as well. So I, I, that the, a free tier, you can pay for the service also if you want to, but, um, which I do, I think I pay like 20 bucks a year or something and it's a hundred percent worth it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because LastPass, or at least um, the paid version of LastPass will actually like search the internet for like breaches like this. It'll scan and figure out if your account was compromised. It'll tell you to change your passwords. It'll flag passwords that haven't been changed in the last, you know, you can set the threshold, but usually by I think default, it's like every three months or something. And it'll just go in and change the passwords automatically for you. It stores everything like it's a really, really great service and it does keep you much more secure online than than trying to manage everything yourself because there are so many different um like services now like everybody wants an email and password to to access their site on the internet so yeah they also have a great so lastpass another other recommendation in terms of lastpass is they have a, a lastpass authenticator as well so if you're looking to use like a google authenticator or a version like that uh they they lastpass has their own authenticator which backs up to your last pass so if, yeah so that's another core issue with with some of this uh two-factor authentication if it's tied to your phone and you get a new phone you forget to like back up your passwords or there's some rigmarole you have to do to kind of make the transition um and if you don't there's like license uh you know ids involved to kind of get that sorted uh but yeah it's it, i i use that for my authenticator as well and it, it works very well um even for Nintendo, for sure. So yeah, moral of the story is uh, double check your Nintendo accounts if you haven't logged in in a while and uh, make sure that you are adding your two-factor authentication. Um, and speaking of two-factor authentication, Epic Game Store is running a campaign that's going through until, uh, I believe, the end of May. Yeah, I think it's May 21st, so so near the end. Okay, yeah. so not not quite the, yeah, about, about a month, give or take, uh, next few weeks anyways. And they are going to require you to sign up for two-factor authentication in order to use the Epic Games Store to access their free titles. So it's it's like, if you're not on the Epic Games Store and you're not accessing the free titles, then you don't have to do anything. But if you do want to access the free titles, then they're saying you will need uh, two-factor authentication. Now, it's going to go away 
after uh, May 21st in that you it will no longer be required to access their free catalog. But it's basically like a security push. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people look at every announcement, well, maybe not anymore, but early on in the Epic Game Store days, like a lot of people, every time there was an Epic Game Store story, everyone would be all over them. Like, oh man, it's, it's terrible. And I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I know Steam has done this for a very long time. Steam has the, the Steam authenticator with the, the Steam app on your phone. I think it's like Steam Guard. So they've been doing yeah, it for Steam a Guard, while. Yeah, Steam Guard, But the fact that Epic Game Store is getting out there and saying like we're we've been giving away free games since our inception, and in order to get the free games, we're going to make you use two factor authentication. Uh, and they go in to say like you know for, because of Fortnite's popularity, a lot of our accounts have been targets. So this is this is just it's a good it's a good news story. And um, yeah, like in terms of security breaches and stuff, it's very important that we do as much as possible to convince people to to activate this. I know. It's annoying sometimes to have to enter a code, but I think pieces like software has just two-factor authentication has come a long way. Um, and uh, if you do it all on your phone and you're activating those free games, it's very simple to just switch between apps, copy the code, and then paste it in. Like it's very. Well, and the simple. thing that the thing that I've realized because I've had um, attempted breaches on my PayPal, on my Patreon, on. Uh, my Blizzard account and on my Steam. I feel like there's more. Oh, my Twitch. Uh, but every single one of those, even if they've managed to get through my password, because I have two-factor authentication, then I get alerted. And then I can be like, no, actually, I'm not logging in. And then I can get in touch with Twitch or with PayPal or Patreon or whatever. And I can change my passwords and I can tell them that someone's trying to breach my account so then not only am I aware, but the company is aware. And so even if you get to the point where you're getting a login notification that isn't about you, that's a notification or like that isn't you trying to log in. That's just one more step in the in protecting yourself against these kind of breaches that like we literally just finished talking about with Nintendo. Like once you get a, a, a code coming to your phone that has nothing to do with you trying to log into an account, it's a huge red flag and lets you know that somebody has breached your password and you need to go change it like right now because someone is trying to get in. So, I mean, like two-factor authentication is not perfect, but if absolutely nothing else, it's alerting you to the possibility of a problem and letting you kind of get on top of it. So, I mean, I can't recommend having two-factor authentication enough especially if you have um, Twitter's another one, like really uh, front facing accounts where people, where your username is kind of known um, or can be easily guessed. And then especially if you're somebody who doesn't change your password all the time or uses the same password for a bunch of different things, like, man, just two factor is uh, so helpful in so, so many, um, so many different situations. And uh, yeah, so I think it's, it's a great thing that Epic Games is now, requiring this to try to protect people especially when so many people like me just save a lot of their payment information on accounts like this and just assume it'll be fine like i mean maybe that's my fault maybe i'm making bad security choices by saving my payment info <laughs> uh you know I'm, i mean i think uh i think wherever you save your payment info you should have you should have you should have two-factor authentication and I, and I think yeah. um i think i got 
alerted when um i my paypal account or something like i got a weird email like hey you logged in in a weird place or did you do this and i'm like uh no and i mean i think it was a i don't know what it was but it ended up i just i i activated two-factor authentication it was easy and uh it it just it immediately alleviated like alleviated me of all that worry and anxiety right and I think that's the core core thing here. And I mean, we all love to save our credit card information because entering that shit every time you need it is a pain in the butt. Remembering numbers sucks. So like, <laughs> it, it's all a convenience thing. And I mean, yeah. I'd rather, you know, launch an app for two-factor authentication than to have to enter my credit card every time. And mm-hmm. that's where I stand. Yep. Agreed. Uh, and then we have one more piece of news tonight that I am super stoked on. Apparently, I, I mean, we've we've talked a little bit in the last few months about uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and if there could potentially be a sequel in the works and when that might be releasing, if we could even see that as a launch title within the launch window of the PS5. Well, it turns out that it's not just going to be a sequel. They're planning an MFN trilogy, and I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, although we have to remember, trilogies don't really work out <laughs> in video games. I mean, remember Mass Effect 3? Yeah, I know. I, 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 uh, yeah, I don't um, want to necessarily invoke Mass Effect 3. That but. trilogy, yeah, and I mean, Mass Effect 3 wasn't the worst. It was still a really good game. I still enjoyed it, and I mean, I can't even, honestly, I, I need to go back and, and try to remember maybe go back and listen to old gamers and episodes maybe i'm just looking at it with nostalgia glasses now but i don't remember like hating hating the ending the way the internet hated the ending um although it was much better fleshed out in the patch that came out eventually but like as a whole i thought the trilogy was pretty good and as you were like talking about like the XCOM story even i was like that is just giving me like mass effect flashbacks the way you're describing it and the aliens are coming back but they're more pissed off than ever like <laughs> that's so mass effect 3 <laughs> yeah. yeah i think uh i i have faith that this this studio it's all about the studio it's all about the publisher and i think sony and gorilla games um, they have a really great working relationship. I don't think, a tr- you know, planning a trilogy is going to be an issue here. And and the fact that they've always planned it as a trilogy, it just didn't get greenlit as a trilogy until after the first one did so freaking well. Like 40 million copies of this was sold. That's a crazy mm-hmm. amount from a video game yeah, perspective. Yeah, for, exactly. For, for something that was a brand new IP, something a little bit more out there, like you're literally fighting machines in the far-flung future with a bow and arrow, like... That sounds like it would be a little bit kind of stupid on the surface, but it ended up being like literally one of my favorite titles of all time. And so what I absolutely love about this story and what kind of gets me so excited about the trilogy is that it wasn't it wasn't necessarily that the first game did well. So they wrote two and three from the sounds of it. Gorilla always had a multi-part script written so they had already figured out where they wanted to take the story in two and three, but two and three didn't get greenlit until horizon did so well on the PlayStation four. And then they were like, Oh, okay. Yes. You've proved your concept. You sold really well. We're on board. Let's do this. Like go make your series. So that's what gets me really excited is that it was a planned multi-part game from the get go. And it wasn't just like, Oh, People really like this shit. Let's make more and just mm. like go take it to the bank. Like it, it sounds like they actually had a plan, which is really exciting to me because 
the story and the universe that they built around like Horizon Zero Dawn and the fall of original humanity and and the way life evolved on Earth afterwards and why was just so interesting and so much more in depth than I thought, you know, futuristic robot Earth could ever really be, you know, like it was such a deep universe. I just loved it. I'm going to yeah. go play through that again. Oh, well, <laughs> Screw Last to. of Us. I'm just going to go do that. <laughs> it's coming out uh, on PC. And I, I think I completely agree. I'll be playing it again on PC because I I want to see what that game looks like on uh, uncapped hardware, right? Like I, I think uh, uh, I played it on the PS4 base model. So I'm, I'm interested to see what it looks like. But uh, I was wrong. It's 10 million copies, which is still a crazy amount. Uh, it's right here in the story. But... <laughs> I I missed it. I'm tired. Um, but I think that I I always assumed there would be a sequel. There's some rumblings. I think I just saw today of it could have been shopped. So I didn't want to bring it. I didn't want to like link it in the show. But I think it's very much a, a reality that we are going to see Horizon Zero Dawn two revealed this year. Uh, when it comes out and playable, who knows? But I I think we see it this year. Like we see we mm-hmm. get an announcement. Because uh, it, it's just it's the perfect timing in, in, in the sense of when Horizon Zero Dawn came out in 2017. They already had a script written, like a multi-part script written. So you could see a 2021 release being very, very plausible. Um, I was going to say, yeah, in a, in a normal world, I would say we sure. would be seeing this spring 2021 just given how like fleshed out all of the and and how long we've been seeing leaks too because i mean i feel like our first job postings for horizon zero dawn 2 are you know uh, years old at this point like i feel like the first one was you know kind of 2018 so um i think that you know these these rumors have been flying around for so long and it feels like this is very much like so obviously this isn't a release from from gorilla or from playstation this is all you know sources close to the project have confirmed um so it's all anonymous and everything else but i think you're right i think that this e3 was probably when they were planning on um kind of like introducing the concept i think it probably would have been a launch window title and i think it would have uh they would have been aiming for kind of spring 2021 i don't know if that's still possible or not we've seen so many delays with everybody working from home right now but um i'm i'm crossing my fingers that uh horizon zero dawn 2 is going to be coming um sooner rather than later uh they've also said that it is gigantic in scope with more freedom to explore than the first game and the first game in and of itself i mean one of the things that i loved about it was that I thought I knew the story. I thought I knew where it was going, but then I would kind of reach the conclusion of that portion and then the world would open up for me even more. Mm-hmm. And then I would think that I knew the story and I would think that I knew what they were where they were heading and what was going to happen and then the world doubled in size again. And it was this awesome experience that just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So the idea that the that Horizon Zero Dawn 2 could be even larger than that, I love I'm kind of not so stoked on more freedom to explore because I did really like um, uh, not handholding, maybe like a guided experience. Like they had a very purposeful story and a very streamlined way of telling it in Horizon Zero Dawn 1. So I'm a little worried about it 
getting convoluted or pulling you off track a little bit too much if it's just like fully open the whole time. Uh, but that being said, I mean, obviously, I love the first game, so I'm good with the decisions that they make. But what are your thoughts on on just a larger world and more freedom than the first um, one? Yeah, I don't know. The first one was still a big game. Like it, it, it was big and there was a lot there was a lot going on in that world. And uh, it just it felt more more of uh, path based, I guess. Like you mm -hmm. weren't you weren't really encouraged to, to go off the beaten path. And when you did, um, you were kind of either guided back or you'd hit some pretty uh frustrating and not frustrating but some just, really difficult encounters yeah like, like difficult I felt encounters like they, and walls like just literal walls you know literally so, yeah it's true <laughs> uh i i think if if they if they make the world bigger uh while continuing to to keep it feel uh lived in um, I, I could see that bigger world being exciting. Uh, I just don't want to have, uh, too much in, you know, to explore in the sense that I'm, I'm just trying to get to the, the main objective and it's so far away that I'm just running into constantly like just shit, you know? Yeah. Um, trash. <laughs> trash. Like not, <laughs> not from a quality. Word. <laughs> yeah. Not from a quality standpoint, but just like stuff in my way of the stuff I'm trying to get to, even though the stuff I'm that's in my way is still fun. Um, I, I, th I felt that it with gets the, monotonous eventually. Yeah. I, I felt that with, uh, surprisingly, I didn't feel it with, with breath of the wild. And I, and I know it did suffer for some people like from that problem. And then there was a lot of it. There's a lot of world, but not a lot in it. Um, mm -hmm. but I think Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I kind of felt that it was, there was a lot, there was a lot of world and just a lot of like just stuff in your way, Yeah, you know, um, not necessarily a bad thing. It just really depends on, on how you're trying to, to play or, or finish a game. But um, the other thing they have in the story is the addition of co-op. Uh, I know some people are a little worried about that, but from my perspective, like I, I know co-op and, and design from a co-op perspective is um, takes a, it's a lot of work. And I think what this tells us is basically if they're doing co-op, is it drop in, drop out co-op? where just a second player is there or are they going to have an AI partner that is taken over by, by another player, similar to gears of war, where mm -hmm. in gears of war, there are always the amount of characters that there are co-op. Um, or is it Diablo focused where, or even monster hunter focused where it just, it changes the encounters in a way where now there's two people, you know, or, but it can still be done solo. So that's where I, my questions come up because if it's if it's made to be a co-op game like gears of war and the ai is suitable and i'm able to kind of control it in a way uh to kind of set up encounters i i like that idea you know maybe maybe the two characters have different abilities and you can kind of swap back and forth that could be interesting um but would change the way the first game played so uh, yeah, and I, you know, it's so funny. I feel like I'm going to contradict myself even, you know, within the same episode because when we were talking about the XCOM thing, I was like, you know, I want the I want developers who are pushing the envelope and and changing how things play because you never know what you're going to hit on that's going to make a better experience than what you were doing previously. But at the same time, I'm like, I loved what they did in Zero Dawn so much that I'm just like, I don't want somebody messing with my zero dawn experience just mm -hmm. because it was the kind of thing where 
I, my play style was that I wanted to find as many things as I could possibly find. I wanted to flesh out that world because every little collectible that I found, like every, every audio thing, every news article, like just everything was so interesting to me that I did a lot of exploration kind of like off the beaten path a little bit. Like at least like I made sure that I fully explored all the areas that I ended up in to the point that I had most collectibles by the time I finished the game and going back and, and cleaning it up was not that difficult because I'd already gotten most of it. And that play style is not necessarily conducive to co-op because a lot of times people are just like, oh, well, you know, I have two hours of play. I want to jump in, jump out and get as much of the main story done as possible. And I don't know, like, yes, that means I should probably choose my co-op partner well. But at the same time, I'm worried that if they like build it for co-op, like you're talking about, that it would take away from the combat and the experience that I had in the first one if I'm trying to I mean I guess I could just pick one of the two and just be that character the whole time mm -hmm. but I don't know I just I, I'm kind of shying away I'm a little bit worried about this whole co-op thing unless it's like the main single player game like Horizon Zero Dawn was and then there's also co-op missions you can go and do or like if, if co-op is totally completely separate like a completely separate mode i'm totally on board with that because then that just gives me another way to play the game with people that i like and i can just go and jump into that i just don't know if i want co-op in my main story because yeah. the way that i played the original was just so so much fun yeah i i really hope that they because the, the first one originally was they wanted to include co-op and it's it can be seen in the concept art that was that was leaked. It, it's all they've also stated like they had to cut it just due to the fact that they they had to focus on the, the scope they could accomplish. And mm -hmm. I think if you're I, I yeah, I see both sides of it. If you're adding co-op, yeah, I think you have to. This is the difference between, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn 2 and XCOM Chimera Squad is that. Chimera Squad is is clearly an experiment. It's uh it, it's it's offered at a a, a a low a low cost to entry, even even more mm -hmm. so by its by its promotion of fifty percent off for a week. But with Horizon Zero Dawn, you're talking about a numbered sequel, and you have to kind of look at um her, well the original and say like we need to retain our players because we're continuing the story and the the room for experimentation was in the dlc was in yeah sort of a side ex a side experience like maybe a horizon zero dawn side story like look at look at uh Gear, gears of war gears tactics came out today it is it is telling a story in the gears of war sort of um timeline but it's not continuing the Gears 5 story. That's where Gears 6 is going to pick up, where the combat and gameplay is going to be similar with slight changes, not vast changes from third-person combat cover to tactics, right? Um, so I, I think when you look at a sequel with co-op and Horizon Zero Dawn 2, I'm hoping that it that it uh, that is done in, in a way that doesn't alienate current players, but but still offers those folks who, who want to do co-op. Like I don't know if I want to do co-op in a hundred hour open world RPG. That doesn't sound 
interesting and i think where you talk about like doing hunts and stuff with with a friend like think of it as uh even horizon zero dawn like if i could take on one of those those giant bird things and just say like you know joss and i are gonna cue into a, a, a an encounter with the thunderbird mm-hmm. or that like the hunting great. grounds things that yeah. they had like those hunting ground challenges or like yeah something that's more supplementary as opposed to like mainline main story main mode um, mm-hmm. I would be totally, totally down for. So, I mean, we'll have to see what they do because, I mean, obviously they've been thinking about this for a long time and I do trust the developer because the first game was so good. So I don't think that they would go too far off the rails with what they're going to offer us. I think it sounds like they just have the resources this time around to fulfill more of their original vision. So, um, yeah, I think I'm I'm just I'm waiting. I'm so excited and I'm assuming it's going to come around the E3 timing. But um, I, I'm so excited to hear them actually talk about it and to kind of like solidify some of these rumors one way or another. And uh, yeah, hopefully that'll be coming sometime in the next like six to eight weeks. So, um, yeah, do uh, stay tuned for that because I know I'm super stoked about just the the prospect of an entire trilogy being greenlit. That's awesome. Um, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us tonight. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. And don't forget to follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. You can also join the conversation over on our Discord, which is bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>